0: You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Great to see everyone in the house of the Lord today. Somebody say amen. These women are trying to take over, but I want you men to know we're fighting back as we best can. You just have to stand strong with me. And when they tell us we could come out from under the bed, we will. Okay. And so uh, all of you joining us online, we welcome you. We're So glad that you can worship with us and join with us. We don't feel like you're a separate congregation. We feel like you're us on Zoom. So all you guys remote, we're glad glad to have you join us right now. Uh, And we want the Lord to minister to you right where you are. Now, there's something special about being a part of the worship life of a church. And I always encourage people to join together if they can. And I don't mean... You know, just come in for one part of the service. I mean, be a part of the service. Come in, be a part of the worship, be a part of the fellowship life of the church, be a part of the living word of the church. And that's wonderful. But we also know that we are in a digital world and we have to minister in the world we're actually in, not in the one we, were wish, we wish we were in. And so uh, we want to serve all of you. Uh, I'm always amazed at people I find out that are watching Uh, I found out more this morning uh, about a pastor in a church and all of that, and I'm I'm humbled. We want to serve you in any way we can, uh, but we can't do for you what God can do for you. And what that means is wherever you are right now, you need to let the Spirit of the Lord work in that place. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I'll tell you what I think. I'll give my best. But you need to let the power of the Holy Spirit of God move in your living room, at your kitchen table, wherever you are today. Amen. Yes. My title today is Faith and Strength, Faith and Strength. And I'm going to read a passage. Uh, most of you could quote this uh, either exactly or mostly quote this. Uh, James chapter number one, verse number 22, be doers of the word, not hearers only be doers of the word, smile at whoever you're beside and say, this scripture's for you. <laughs> be doers of the word and not just hearers only, uh, deceiving yourselves. Now the way that James says that it's almost though he's saying, look, you know you haven't done well with this in the past. <laughs> um, don't just be a, a hearer uh, and think that's enough, but that's deceiving yourself. I want you to be a doer of, of the Word. And so uh, faith and strength, and I very much want uh, these, uh, this time together to in some way uh, make the week as it comes easier than it would have been. Uh, if you had not taken the time to open the Word of the Lord in your life, all of us want to be strong, right? Somebody say Amen. amen. All of us want to be strong. Uh, I've never met anybody in my life who enjoyed being uh, weak. It's fun to be strong. Uh, it is reassuring to be strong, and it is in some way—I uh, don't know—almost like you you can feel good about yourself if you are strong. The flip side of that is also true. Um, if you're weak, you're easy. It's very easy to be down on yourself. It's very easy to say something like, "Well, I'm just not as strong as I used to be, or uh, I'm not as healthy as I used to be, or I'm not strong enough." No one enjoys being uh, weak, and we are called in the word of the Lord to manifest the strength of God. We are called to manifest the strength of the promises of God. We are not fighting this battle alone. I didn't get any amens from over here. I'm thinking that maybe I need to preach to these guys over here. Kind of feel a bad spirit over here today. Oh, praise the Lord. Good to see you, my brother. Uh, uh, We, all of us want to be strong, and we uh, don't want to... Uh, be weak, and we are called to manifest strength. Now, the strength is not our own, the strength is God in our life. Yes, uh, the strength is that we have not been left to our own devices, but God has promised He would be with you. I want to remind somebody of that today you're not in your struggle alone. God has given you His word that He would never leave you, He would never uh, forsake you. And so, although we all desire strength we struggle uh, even so we want to be strong but we're tempted even so we want to be confident but we're insecure even so yes i'm preaching to you today just being, not saying amen is not going to get me off your back i've come for you and this is the word of the lord for you uh you want to be confident but you fight in You want to be positive, but you wrestle with negativity. You want to be spiritually bold, but you uh, always wrestle with hesitancy. And you know in yourself there is a divide between who you wished you were and who you currently have the faith to be. Stay with me. Uh, There is a potential within all of us, if you've served God, any length of time you have been exposed to ordinary people who do great things for God and you think about that person and you consider how if the Lord used them that he could also use me and what would that mean for me and uh, what would I do what would I try and you have within yourself this sense of uh, spiritual birth that is waiting even so to be birthed out of you Uh, Something you could do to, as it were, move the needle of mission uh, in your life. And even so, we wrestle with weakness in the face of strength. Now, let me show you in the scripture three kinds of strength that I think helps us to be accurate about where we are and what we are facing. The first kind of strength you will see in, in the Scriptures of the, is, is this image of actually rising up on eagles' wings, as it were, and flying above the storms in your life. And although there is trouble on every hand, you are flying high above all of that trouble. That is if you'll uh, follow the image of scripture that is almost as though uh, it's a supernatural strength it is the ability to get out of the storms in your life and I I pray uh, if you've served God long enough you've had this experience where something happened to you that should have broken you down but it didn't you were okay. Something happened to you that you would have thought would have almost destroyed you, but it didn't. In some strange, anointed, powerful, promise-based way, you found that it did not bother you near as much as you thought it would. You were able, through the power of God, to rise up on eagle's wings, and you flew above all of that trouble in your life. How many of you have that testimony In your life. Now, that's one kind of strength. It's the strength of an eagle who arises with uh, uh, wings and flies above the trouble. And it's as though the junk in your life can't hurt you it can't touch you you are above the fray i love that kind of strength but uh, that's not the only kind of strength that the scripture shows us it also shows us the strength of the soldier if the first strength i talked about was like a wing strength where you could fly above your problems the uh, the strength of a soldier is not above the battle the strength of a soldier is you're stuck in the thick of it. Now, how many of you have ever been stuck in the thick of it? You're not able. You wish you could. You wish that you would have some powerful moment where you rise above your dilemma. You fly above your trouble. You you soar, and the trouble is, as it were, beneath you. It can't touch you, but if you serve God very long, you know you also will be stuck in the middle of it. You're not above the storm. You're in the storm. You're not on the bank watching someone else struggle. You're the one and water out of your boat. You need in that moment the strength of a soldier who is able to know that God has equipped him or her to win this battle. You're tired, your hand hurts from holding the sword Your arm aches from holding the shield You're exhausted with the sheer uh, difficulty, conflict, wrestling of the battle And you say to yourself in the middle of that battle You say you're able to overcome You say to yourself, yes you're fighting Yes you're tired, yes you're weary But you're going to overcome because God is with you the protection that's on you has been given to you by God. The faith that defends you has been given to you by God. The sword of the spirit has been placed in your hand by God. Yes, you're tired. It's tired? Somebody say yes. Yes, you're weary. Yes. Yes, you are sometimes wounded. Can we be that real? I want to be that real. I love being real. It makes me like myself on the way home. I want you to be real. Yes, sometimes I'm wounded. Sometimes I'm bleeding. Sometimes I'm backing away from the front front line, putting a bandage on it. But if God put me in this battle, he said I can win this battle. If God placed me on this battlefield, he's going to be with me until the final victory is won. Oh, praise God, somebody. So the first strength you see in Scripture is the strength of soaring above. The storm cannot touch you. The second strength is the strength of a soldier who you uh, are in the thick of the battle, but you know that God God is with you. And though you face the entire troop of the enemy, uh, the Lord is going to be with you and you shall overcome. The third kind of strength you will see in Scripture. Now remember, the first was as though you soared above it all. The second was as though you fought day after day in the midst of it all. And the third is the strength of the sojourner who just will not quit making their way forward. This is the strength of the sojourner. Let me point out a few things that you know, but I want to be a voice of uh, reminder in your life, and that is this. There's a chance that the battle you're fighting doesn't need to be fought. It's not anything worth fighting over. It might be that you need to just back away from it, put it in in God's hand, and you keep walking to the promised land. You see, on one hand, the strength of the one who can soar above the struggle. On the other hand, it's a battle. There's no way out except to win it, and you commit to stand by the strength of God. And the third kind of, shall we say, strength is the strength of the sojourner. Not every city means you have to fight a battle. There's some cities you just can go around and ignore. Not every mountaintop in your life should be turned into a contestant battlefield. God may not want you on every mountaintop. God has a mountaintop for you though and if you get involved in fighting over every battle that comes your way you'll find you don't have the emotional strength for the battles that you're supposed to fight because you've, you've chosen to fight over everything. Is anybody hearing me here today? I'm telling you there are some battles you need to lay it down. You need to not fight that battle. How do I know when there's a battle I don't need to fight? Number one, if I have no control, I don't need to be fighting. I only fight when my prayers are going to make a difference in the spiritual contest. That means things that happened in your past are no longer a battle. It's not time to fight. It's time to heal. I'm trying to help somebody here today. You can't fight a battle in your past. Why? It's done. Nothing's happening. It's time to heal from that battle, not fight that battle. You say, well, they don't like me. Well, welcome to the club. There's this club. It's called Humanity. You could join it and quit being an alien with a UFO in the parking lot. And in this club of Humanity, there's this reality they're going to give you when you get your membership card. Number one, not everyone's going to like you. Number two, if you try to do anything, you're going to be criticized. Number three, if you're not a cookie cutter, the pan is going to try to beat you up. Number four, people are not going to like you. You notice how there's some repetition to that? Number five, if you try to do anything, you're going to be criticized. If you don't do anything outside of the conventional, people's going to attack your character, not just your mission. Okay, that's not a battle you can control. Lay that battle down. You have to lay that down. If it happened in the past, it's no longer a battle. Lay it down and let God's healing come into your spirit and into your life. However, if you exhaust yourself, maybe I'm preaching to myself today, so y'all give the preacher a moment. If you exhaust yourself fighting a battle you're not supposed to be fighting, you won't have the strength to fight the battle that the Lord has led you to. You know why you fight? Because you're trying to help somebody who's weaker than you. That's why you fight. You stand in the gap as a spiritual intercessor. And you plead the blood over a lost soul, over a lost family, over a struggling friend, over a broken city, over a lost world. You stand in the gap. That's a battle we're fighting. And so uh, we have the strength of rising above the battle. We have the strength of fighting and winning the battle. And we have the strength of just leaving it alone and keep on walking. I can't fight every king. So I will fight none of them unless they take my loved one. This is the Abraham doctrine of geopolitics. I don't want to fight anybody. I don't want to take what is yours. I don't want to draw blood. And as long as you will not Take my loved one. I will not fight with you because there's better things to do than fight. I'm only going to fight with you when you take my loved one. You see, some of us were raised in a nonstop contest of wheels and a nonstop approval disapproval crab bucket, and you've spent so long being pulled by, down by the crabs in your bucket that you think the crab bucket is what God called you to do. And if you would just stop that and put on your walking shoes and say, let crabs have crabs and be crabs, that didn't come out right. Forgive me. What I meant to say was let the crab bucket do crab bucket like things. My wife's embarrassed. I want you to see you need to put on your walking shoes and you need to walk past the crab bucket in your life and let them have the crabs and you get out of the crab business. Just let that be a blessing to you. I know that's some profound insight there. How, then, I have spent the last uh, three minutes (laughs) trying to convince you of how strength is not always the same. Now, I have one more thing I want to place before you, and I want you to grasp this you know this none of this new uh, but you I want to remind you of this strength spiritually is not the strength of feeling in fact it's worse than that a lot of times when you feel strong you're actually weak and when you feel strong you've set yourself up for a trial and conversely when you feel weak you actually are strong why because you've quit trying and you've started depending on Jesus You know what you do when you're weak? You say, I I don't have time. I'm just, I'm not dealing with that today. I'm giving it to you, Lord. All of a sudden, it is though muscles begin to pop out all over your body. And this massive power lifting strength begin to be placed in you. Why? It's not you anymore lifting the load. You have effaced the fact that you are weak and you give it to the Lord and you quit fighting that. And all of a sudden, I am strong because he is strong. How do I get there? How do I get to the kind of strength that isn't because I've read enough books or I can quote enough scripture or I have all of the right, you know, friends and I have all the right, you know, boxes checked and I have enough money in the bank and, uh, you know, my wife is very submissive and obedient. How do I get to that place? Well, first of all, I don't know. But having made that confession to you, I want to say this. I want to say it's going to happen through surrendering your weakness in exchange for God's strength. And it won't feel like strength when you surrender it. It'll feel like weakness. But in God's world, uh, he takes your strength and places in you his weakness. So how then do we get there? Is this just one of those kind of religious-sounding talks where it all sounds good until you leave the service and you say, now what? Well, I want to try to give you the now what. Again, I'm going to tell you something you already know, but it is very, very helpful to be reminded of. How do I get to a place of strength? How do I get to the strength that allows me to fly above the storms in my life, if so it be the will of God how do I get to the strength that allows me to fight with confidence hope and stamina courage like a good soldier the battles that God has called me to fight and how do I get to the strength like Abraham who says I'm not fighting with any of you kings uh, unless you take a loved one and then it's going to be on like a chicken bone like they used to say in the country it's going to be on we're going to fight then but uh, outside of that I don't want to fight with any in other words I'm not fighting every battle. I'm picking when it matters. How do I get that kind of strength? You know the answer to this, but it's true even so. Your path between where you are to this place of strength can only happen through you living out faith in your life. This is what James is trying to say when he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself as though hearing is Religious enough. Hearing is churchy enough. Hearing is, you know, stamping uh, the church card in your life. No, you have to be a doer of the word. You have to live that faith out. It is begun with speaking. But with the spoken word, but then you have to live that out. So it is in our life with repentance. It begins with what? Us speaking, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for my transgressions. Forgive me for my errors. I'm sorry, Lord. What did you do? You spoke your repentance, but then what do you do? Not enough to speak. You turn and you go the other way. You have to live that repentance out, do you see? So it is with baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In that moment when you're baptized, you call upon the name of the Lord. And that's something uh, that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm actually baptizing uh, uh, Selena Burns today, so I'm excited about that. But I want you to know that that's something I want to coach everybody I baptize. I want to say, look, uh, when we baptize, I want you in your heart, in your spirit, in your voice, I want you to call upon the name of the Lord when you come up out of the water because that's what baptism is in the Jewish tradition. They baptize and called upon the name of the Lord. I know the preacher says it, but I think there's something that can be done when the person coming out of the water says, Jesus, calling upon the name of the Lord. That's what you do. You call upon the name of the Lord, and that is the step, the open portal toward salvation. That's why Peter on the day of Pentecost says, uh, in that day, uh, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You speak it, that's a beginning, and now you live his way in your life. So in the same manner, we start with speaking faith, but then what do we do? We live it out. Your journey from current weakness to future strength is going to come by living out Faith. Now, I want to show you in the Bible three places, three places where you see people acting on faith, not simply speaking faith, uh, praising faith, uh, singing faith. And all of those things are good, and I do them all. Uh, but you're going to see them acting on faith. So if you believe that God will supply your needs, you are trying to be a person of faith. Can I have a great big Amen. If you believe God loves you enough to walk with you, then you are trying to be a person of faith. Amen. When I do that, that's like Morse code for a great big amen. That's better than I've ever heard it in my life, okay? You all ready for this? Thank you very much. If you believe that he cares about you, God cares about you, you are trying to be a person of faith, amen, amen. If you go to God in trouble and you say, I don't know how to do this. I need your help. You are trying to be a person of faith. Yes. Amen. This is the struggle. Not just to say it, but to walk it. And it's not just you. Some of you are quick to speak your own spiritual weakness, and that's not all wrong, Uh, humility and our knowledge of our weakness can oftentimes uh, be a blessing to us, uh, not a weakness, but I want, before you throw away all your confidence in God, I want to remind you that every great man of God I've ever had the opportunity of spending time around had to live by faith. The most Christian people I've ever been exposed to, in my case, is my mom and dad. They're saved. They're going to heaven. The rest of you guys are 50-50 at best. They are the most Christian people I've ever been around. They are lovely, godly people. They are loyal. They don't speak bad about people. Well, my mom speaks bad about me occasionally, but not not that much. She's 90% saved. I'm going to tell you about this kind of people. They have to live by faith. It's not just you. Everybody has to live by faith. I've known some prophets that I believe to be prophets. And you would think that because they're used in a prophetic way, they don't have to live by faith. This is error. They have to live by faith. If you are justified, you have to live by faith. So it is, don't think that you're the only one who is having to live out faith. This is your way. This is who you're trying to be. Yes, you have struggle. Yes, you have rainy days. Yes, you have setbacks. But you never end At the setback, you always say, I'm trying to be a person of God, a person of faith, and I am going to keep pressing. Let me give you a a story in Mark chapter number 5, and this is uh, well known. I'm going to uh, read some of it from the New Living Translation. Uh, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. With constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, uh, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. That's how some of you guys come to church. You sneak in. You don't come for the first song because you have to greet the preacher out front and you don't want to see the preacher. And then you leave as soon as it's over because you don't want anyone snatching you, bringing down to this altar and laying hands on you because you know that's what you really need. And uh, you're not ready to be, you know, that Humbled in the house of the Lord, I, I got gotcha. you. I know exactly what you're doing. You're like this woman here. You're trying to shoplift you a miracle. <laughs> yeah, yep, I'm just speaking truth to you in love. You're trying to shoplift you a mirror. You're going to slip in. I'm just going to slip up behind him. He won't even know I'm here. I know he can do it. I said, I know he can do it. How's your faith doing? I hope your faith's doing good. I know he can do it. I'm not going to bother anybody. I'm not going to schedule an appointment. I'm not going to have my people get with his people. I'm just going to slip up here all shy like. I'm going to get here late so the preacher doesn't know. I'm going to leave early. I'm not going to first steps because, you know, then they would get to know me and they may not like me. Well, we may not. But you ought to take a chance on it. It's worse than that. You may not like us, but you ought to take a chance on us. And you're, 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 I'm just going to sneak this one out. But I I know he can. I know he can. And she she gets right here and she, and Jesus stops. He's like, whoa, somebody touched me. And uh, Peter's always helpful. You know, Lord, lots of people are touching you. You know, let me save you. I know you get confused easy, Lord. Let me save you here. I love to save Jesus. And um, uh, there's a lot of people touching. Jesus like, no, 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 you misunderstand. Uh, Something happened here. The promise, watch, this is the only way this makes sense. You can read this in all the Gospels. This is the only way it makes sense. The promise had already been given. It wasn't a matter of if. It was a matter of faith activating a promise that had already been given. Does that make sense? Jesus is like, whoa, someone just got a blessing. I don't know, but, man, that that Powerball just came up with a winning number. Don't play the Powerball. And I don't know what happened, but I had promised. uh, And uh, here, who touched me? And the woman, she's like, y'all, she's trying to shoplift a miracle. Oh, just little old me. I'm just going to slip out the back, you know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless everybody. Who touched me? Jesus insists. The Bible says immediately the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she had been healed of her. Terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around to the crowd and said, "Who touched my robe?" The disciple said, "Look, look at this crowd. How can you ask who touched me?" But he kept on looking. You're not slipping away with your miracle. God's going to know what's going on in your life. You're not shot lifting your blessing. God's going to know right where you are. He kept on looking. Jesus doesn't just want to give you a miracle. He wants to celebrate the miracle he's given you. The miracle was about you, but the celebration was about him. That's why when God has blessed you, uh, you ought to be a testifier. You ought to be someone to share the goodness of the Lord. You ought to be a quick one to raise your voice and say, God can and God will. He kept on looking. And then the frightened woman, you know, the shoplifting didn't work, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now, I have preached this passage many times. I love it. I've preached about how she pushed past uh, distraction. All of us need to do that. I've preached about she had faith. For even uh, miracles to the lowly, it's easy for the great person to come and ask for healing. You'll see that in the scripture. She has faith for the miraculous among the ordinary. I love that. That happens in the scripture. I've preached about how she fulfills prophecy because when the Messiah uh, he's going to have healing in his wings. Remember the Old Testament prophet uh, who said that when Messiah comes, uh, he will have healing in his wings. Now, in the Hebrew, wings can also be translated as the hem of the robe of uh, the anointed one. Healing in his wings. And this little woman, she may not have been uh, allowed access to the temple complex because she was considered unclean because of her, her condition, but she knew something that all the scholars didn't know she knew that Jesus was the Messiah and she said within herself if I can just touch the wings there's healing in the wings do you see? if I can just touch the hem of his garment why? he is the chosen one of Israel he is the Messiah and if I can touch the hem I love the story. But here's what I want you to see. She has to activate. She can't just have a theoretical view that God could theoretically heal her if he wanted to. That is easy. She has to believe God loves her enough to care about the nitty and gritty of her life. And if she will, then he will. If she will, then he will. You need to have some of that confidence in your life. That is how you live faith out. You can talk about faith as theory. You can talk about faith as promise. Then you can fight through the crowd and say, I'm going to touch him because I believe it's for me. It's not just for others. It's for me. That is you living out faith. The second faith is that of the Roman officer who has a, a servant who is very much Uh, ill and dying, and uh, this officer of Rome, who was a friend of the Jews and had even built them a synagogue, um, he sent word to Jesus asking if Jesus would heal uh, his servant, and uh, Jesus agrees to do so, and this officer has a theological insight. He understands authority, and he understands dominion. Some of the trials we go through are because we don't understand authority and we live in doubt. Where if we understood authority, we would live in confidence. But that's a message for another time. He's sitting there thinking. He had sent some of the Jews to Jesus to ask if Jesus would minister to his uh, uh, beloved servant. And um, as they go, he's thinking about it. He's like, huh. You know, I understand this authority thing, and if, if, if I am right, huh, I'm thinking about this. If I am right, then that means Jesus either can or he can't. And if he can, it changes everything. Some of you need to ask yourself if God can, and if he can, you need to start praising him for doing it. Because that cuts past the am I worthy equation that destroys so much faith in the life of the believer. Let me send you a cliff note so you can have a clue. No, nobody's worthy. That's not the standard. Can you believe? Can you ask in faith believing? And so here, you see, huh, I'm thinking about this. He either can or he can't. And if he can, he can say it right where he is, and my servant will be made whole. And the second servant comes running up to Jesus. He says, Lord, uh, my master uh, sent an addendum to the request. And it goes like this. And I'm going to put it in the Nathaniel uh, version. Um, I, here's the thing. I understand authority. Uh, I have soldiers under me, and I understand if I command it, I don't have have to manage it. Why? I have authority. You see, that's the problem with a lot of us. We want God to take it over and allow us to manage it too. Dear the Lord Jesus. Um, And so, if you can, just speak And the Lord says, I can. And he turns to the crowd and he says, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel, as if to say, People who aren't in the church, unfortunately, are doing better with faith than the people who are in the church. This is great faith. One more spiritual example as our musicians come. The story is in Mark chapter number 2. And the image is friends who believe that Jesus can heal uh, someone they care, a dear friend to their heart. uh, And he is uh, paralyzed and he has to be carried everywhere he goes. And they hear that Jesus is in the area. And so they gather their friend up on this uh, carrying mat, and they take him to Jesus, and of course, they can't get to Jesus. There's a real common theme here. There's always obstacles between you and the strength you need. There's always uh, obstacles between you and the power of God in your life, and so they come, and uh, the result of this is they have to go up to the roof, you know the story, and they say, look... um, if we we've got to get him to Jesus because we believe Jesus can heal him, well, we can't get to Jesus. Well, uh, I bet if we tear this roof off, we can get to Jesus. Well, uh, that's going to cause a problem. Well, we can fix a roof, but we can't fix our friend. I don't need Jesus to fix a roof. I need Jesus to heal my friend. I can come to. Don't ask God to do what you should be doing. You know how to fix a roof, and if you'll do what you know how to do, you'll activate God doing what only God can do in your life. Let me be real practical. If you don't apply for a job, you're probably not going to get a job, and it won't be God's fault. Why? You could apply for a job. God doesn't need to apply for a job for you. What you need is the hand of favor in your life. So if you will do, if you're, let me just say to somebody here who is in a circumstance that's unhealthy, it is toxic, and you want out of it. If you don't float a resume, God's not going to do what you can do. He's going to let you do what you can do, and he do only what he could do. It might be that God would bless you. It might be that God would open a door for you. But you're letting the fact that there's a roof in the way keep you from a miracle, and honey, you know how to fix a roof. Hmm. All right. I'm making you nervous. You think I'm going to make you go home and do housework. The housework's all going to be waiting for you when you get home. I want you to see they tear off the roof, and what happens? Uh, Jesus heals this man, and this man, verse 12, jumps up, grabs this mat, runs through all the onlookers, and the Bible says, The onlookers were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this. So how do we get from the reality of our struggle to a place of spiritual strength? How does that happen? How do we either find the strength shown in the Scripture where we can soar above our troubles, the strength to soar, the strength to fight through the battle. The strength of a soldier. Or the strength of a sojourner who knows there's no point in just being distracted with that. Just keep on walking because God is taking us to a better place. How do we get from the reality of confusion? I'm going to tell you, you know, you're going to have to live faith. Not just speak it. Not just sing it. You're going to have to choose to live it out. How do you begin? Well, let me answer a slightly different question. Where do you begin? I'm going to tell you where to begin. Where is the pressure points in your life? What is currently leaving you writhing under the pressure? You ever have any type of therapy and the therapists find that one place where it hurts and put their thumb in it and they think it's going to help you and you think you're going to kill them? that ever happened? You're trying to do some therapy. They're like, oh, walk on that ankle. You're like, no, thank you. I'm good. They're like, no, you got to walk on this ankle. Oh, (laughs) no, thank you. I'm good. No, you're going to walk on this ankle. It's like for years after people had surgery, they let them stay in bed for days. They don't do that. You, you going to face that pain. You get surgery, you, you, you'll still be, you'll still be hooked up to machines. They'll be like, oh, you're going to walk it out. You're like, no, thank you. They'll get you up and you will be walking. I'm astonished that people immediately, they tell them to walk. Don't stay there. Get up. Start walking. Use it or lose it. Where's the pressure point in your life? And that physical therapist takes his or her elbow and they put it right in that spot and they push. You're like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to kill somebody. Where's the pressure point in your life? I I never forget when I had a a spinal tap done, not a tap, but a bone marrow. That's what I was trying to say. I said a spinal tap. My wife didn't correct me, which is very rare. Thank you, Lord. And um, (laughs) I had a bone marrow tap, and they brought me in. They laid me on this treatment table, and the doctor pulled out this T-shaped you men, if you've ever plugged a tire and what you push the plug in with, that's exactly what it looks like. Except it's hollow and has this little, little sawtooth on it. And they put it right in your hip and they start screwing through your hip with it. And uh, that's when the cursing starts. And um, this little old nurse, little old nurse, she, she laid across my legs. They set me, they set me on my side and they pulled my britches down. No dignity in the hospital. They, 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 they didn't even avert their eyes. They just. And I'm like, well, there's a full moon out. I mean, I'm laying there on my side. Sorry, I'm just just telling it how it is. I'm laying on my side. And this little old nurse, little old slip of a thing, she comes and lays across my legs like this. And I'm looking over my... And I look at her, she's laying on my legs. And I said, honey, what are you doing? And she said, I'm making sure you don't kick the doctor. I said, baby, if I kick the doctor, I'm just gonna kick you first and the doctor second. She says, well, that's just what they trained me to do. I'm like, all right, I'm trying not to kick either of you. And then in my spirit, I kicked everybody in the hospital. Look, if you have to do it, do it. I mean, it, you can get through it, uh, that, that's fine, but it's probably. The most painful thing I've ever had uh, happen to me in my life. And that pressure that right there. It's right there. And it's just pushing and it's kind and it's cutting and it's dull and it's sharp. And it's, yes. Some of you are living with that right now. Where's the pressure point in your life? Is it career? It may be career. Is it financial? It's terrible not to have money to go down and buy yourself a little lemonade at the Chick-fil-A. I thought I'd get a better amen than that. But evidently, all aren't spiritual. Um, I I want you to see it's terrible to have financial troubles. It might be your health. Your health may be so has got you so beat down. It might be loneliness in your life. There may have been a change of circumstance in your life and maybe you were used to having people in your home whether they were whatever whatever relationship they were, kids, spouse, parents, whatever, and that's lost and all of a sudden you're, 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 you're with yourself again and the loneliness is crushing. You may be one of those people that COVID has nearly killed because it wasn't the sickness you avoided that. It was the fact that you had to hide for over a year in the Cave in which your, uh, your life felt like it had become. And uh, here you are. Where's the pressure point? Here's what you have to do. You have to say over that pressure point, God will make me strong right here. That's where I want you to start. Then I want you to speak the promises of God over it. I want you to speak the promises of God over it. I'm not alone. I have not been forgotten. Somebody say it with me. I'm not alone. I want to hear it louder than that. I'm not alone. I've not been forgotten. Say it with me. Say, God is with me. Come on. He's a very present help. He's a very present help when? In time of trouble. I need to hear you preach a little while. The enemy came in to do what? They wanted to kill me. You say it. Come on, say it. The enemy came in. They wanted to kill me. Come on, you say it. All night long I cried in my bed. You say it. All night long I cried in my bed. It felt like there was no hope for me. You say it. It felt like there was no hope for me. Now I'm going to say it. But God was with you. And God sustained you. And God kept you. And God You need to speak the promises of God into the pressure points of your life. And then you need to walk it out. You need to live it out. You need to praise it out. You need to work it out. Stand with me all across the house. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. I feel your presence in this house right now. I feel your presence in this house right now. I feel your anointing among us right now, Lord Jesus. We're an altar church. I'm going to open this altar up. Some of you need to step out of your safety zone and let some brothers and sisters anoint you with oil and speak the name of Jesus over you. Some of you, uh, maybe you want to stay where you are. That's fine too. Uh, But I want you to begin to speak the promises of God over the pressure points in your life. I want you to get to strength. But the only way to get to strength is through faith. You can't jump straight to strength. You have to believe that He is. And He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You have to believe, say it with me, that He is. And He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You can't jump straight to strength. There's no book you can read and and, and, in some way skip over the faith part. There's no seminar you can go to and skip over the faith part. You understand what I'm saying? There's no guru you can find and skip over the faith part. You don't get to skip the faith part. You speak it. You live it. You walk it out in your life. You shout it out. You praise it out. You march it out. You fight it out in your life and through faith, applied faith, applied faith to the pressure points. Are you sick? Apply faith to your sickness. Are you broke? Apply faith to your finances. Are you stuck in a dead end circumstance apply faith to that dead end circumstance and believe that God's promise is enough to make a difference in your life. Right now, I'm going to invite those of you who will to step out of the chair you're in and come down across the front. Our worship team is going to take us deeper in praise. Those of you, wherever you are, turn it into a place of spiritual submission to God. In a few moments, we'll have a baptismal. All that'll be fine and good. But right now, somebody needs to touch the hem of his garment. Somebody needs to push past obstructions, push past despair, push past struggle, and touch the hem of his garment. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for everyone in this house right now. Lord. I'm praying that you would work among your people. I'm praying that the person who is weak in their spirit would recognize the nearness of your strength. They would recognize the power of your promise. They would stand in the authority of your word. And they would speak that word over the dilemmas of their life. In Jesus' name right now, we're calling upon you. Work among us in this place. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them.